Last week we began a, a short series of messages that simply talked about heaven showing up in our world. And what do we do when heaven shows up? We talked about Mary and Joseph and how uh, they encountered the angel, one of them personally, one of them uh, in dreams, and, and how they uh, were accepting of the news of the Holy Spirit, of Mary being overshadowed by the Holy Spirit and conceiving her child, uh, Jesus. You see, the thought that I want us to understand is that heaven still shows up in our world. Amen. It is not a thing of the past. God did not do uh, this special thing then and is not doing anything today. The scriptures tells us that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? So he's the same kind of God. And if he showed up in Mary and Joseph's lives in their world, if heaven showed up, uh, then I believe that we can have an anticipation and an expectation that God's going to show up in our world. How many believe that this morning? Amen? Uh, and so as we look at that, how should we respond to heaven showing up in our world? As we look at the story of the wise men, what did they do when heaven showed up in their world? You see, Jesus was about 18 months to two years old when the wise men showed up, which means that your uh, nativity scene, if it contains uh, the wise men, that it is incorrect because they did not, I don't want to blow anybody's mind, but they were not there in, at the manger scene because the star appeared when Jesus was born and that is what led them. And they came from the east, which is probably uh, Persia, which is about 600 miles that they had to travel in order to find Jesus. And I don't want to blow your uh, mind again, but there were probably not just three wise men. It is anticipated, and, and many scholars agree with this, that there could have been as many as a thousand people traveling with the wise men, and they come to see Jesus. Uh, it would explain to us why Herod and the whole town of uh, Jerusalem were troubled. The Magi. How would the Magi have heard or understood that there would be a king of the Jews that would be born? If you go back in your Bible, way back into the book of Daniel, you'll find that Daniel is, is prophesying that the Messiah will come uh, for Jerusalem hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus was even ever born. And that's why they were so excited to see the sign in the sky. Imagine if it is being told to you from generation to generation that you need to be watching, you need to be waiting, you need to be looking for a Messiah that will come uh, to Jerusalem, that will come not to Jerusalem, but to Israel, that will uh, affect the whole world, that will, he will set up a kingdom that will affect the whole uh, world and, and cause a change upon the whole world. So they're excited. Last week I challenged you as we began to leave. Ask you this question. Are you still looking and listening for heaven to show up in your life? Are you? How many this week 
uh, saw signs of maybe the Lord showing up in your world, maybe uh, uh, some special thing uh, that happened, or maybe an opportunity to witness to someone, or, or the Holy Spirit just touched your life, or, or maybe a special blessing, a, a financial blessing, or a healing in your body. I want you to know that we should always be looking and listening for heaven to show up in our world. The Magi were, they were looking, they were listening. And can I tell you that they had a long wait. From the time that Daniel prophesied of it until Jesus was born, a long wait, but a long walk. 600 miles. Imagine. Now I remember as a kid, we used to do a lot of things to raise money for the youth. We had things like rockathons, and I'm not talking about rock music. I'm talking about rocking in a rocking chair, and you get somebody to sponsor you so much, so many dollars per hour. But we used to also do things like walkathons. Anybody ever participated in something like that? I got a few hands showing up. And I remember one time when I was a, a, a young teenager uh, that they decided that we would walk from uh, the Woodford County line on US 60 out here all the way back to Versailles, 10 miles. Now, even for a young teenager, that's pretty good hiking, right? Imagine 600 miles. Uh, it would have taken a long time. And why would I stress this? Why would I stress the waiting? Because I want you to know that Jesus is worth waiting for. I, I want you to know that no matter what you had to do, uh, to seek out Jesus and to find him for your life and to uh, draw closer to him, even if you already know him, that it is worth the effort, that it is worth uh, pressing in to know uh, Jesus in a better way. Can I get an amen? amen. And, and so as we look at this, he's worth the wait. And wise men and women still seek him. It's still a sign of wisdom that we want to know the Lord in a greater way. Our pastor, the, the one that I have known, knew all my life, used to always say this, there's a deeper depth and a higher height in the Lord. There, there's a way to press in, to know him. And can I tell you that I know him better and, and, and I believe more intimately than, than I've ever up to this point known the Lord. And, 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 there, and there's still deeper depths and there's still higher heights and, and it is a, a longing within us. It ought to be a longing if you know the Lord to know him more intimately. To know him in a deeper and a better way. Wise men and women still seek him. As we look at the story of the Magi, they're crucial to the story. God guided them by a star until they found Jesus. The one that they had anticipated, the one that they had longed for and waited for and walked a long way for, they finally found him. Can I tell you that God still guides people and he still reaches out to people in their world. They were wise men, astrologers. Those who looked at the stars in order uh, to determine what uh, might have changed upon this world because they believed that there were signs in the sky. And they were looking and they were uh, waiting. They were Gentiles, not Jews. But this emphasizes to us 
that Jews as well as Gentiles were included in God's plan to bring people back into right relationship with God. And not only that, we sang about them this morning, those gifts that they brought. It shows that all mankind should give him royal honor. Can I tell you, he's still the king of kings and Amen. the Lord of lords. He still reigns on the throne. And he reigns supremely. And there is nothing that is out of his control. He is God and he sits upon the throne. Uh, no matter what the situation might look like in your life, I want you to know, if you know the Lord, that it's going to be all right. God's got it in his hand. I don't know how he's going to work it out. I don't know what way it's going to happen. But I can tell you that God sits on the throne. And his ways are higher than our ways. And his thoughts deeper than our thoughts. So as we look at this story of the, of the Magi, we look at the story of the wise men and we see them. And they can be applauded. Because they went by all kinds of barriers to seek and to search for Jesus. They were passionate about finding him. Oh, that we would be so passionate about growing into a deeper relationship with the Lord. Oh, that it would be our heart's desire to know him in a greater way, that it would consume us, that we would know the Lord in a better way. How many have that desire in your heart this morning? They were passionate about finding him. And their worship was not ordinary. It was extravagant. It was costly. But for just a moment, let's leave them and look at the religious leaders that are spelled out here, the chief priest and the scribes. Surely they would have had the same heart, at least as a Gentile astrologer. But we find that they did not. That they weren't really looking for Jesus. That they were simply uh, going about their religious duties. Somebody help me preach this morning. You see, you can come to church but not really be seeking out Jesus. You can pray, uh, even uh, lightly pray, and not really have a heart that is fully dedicated to the Lord. And so uh, we see here that these religious leaders going about their duties. And Herod summons them to inquire about where the Messiah might have been born. You see, Herod would have normally taken no interest in Jewish beliefs. He was not Jewish himself, but something extraordinary was happening. I felt that in my heart. Can I tell you that I believe that something extraordinary is happening in our day? That God is doing mighty and miraculous things in our day. And he has plans for greater things. And he has plans to use us in greater ways. And, and can I tell you that he has plans to come back and to, to take us to be with him. Oh, so I can look forward to knowing that God has a plan for you and for I. And it's exciting to be a part of what God yeah. is doing. Can I give you an this morning? That subject of where the Messiah would have been born should have caused an arousal of curiosity to those religious leaders to see if 
The Christ child had been born. After all, he was their long-awaited Messiah. The one who would come and save his people, Israel. Now compare this with what the wise men did. The wise men traveled 600 miles through uh, treachery and through dangerous territory. And they finally arrive very close to where Jesus is. And for just a little while, they lose sight of the star that has been guiding them. But the religious leaders knew that he would be born in Bethlehem. Get this, just five miles to the south of Jerusalem. Five miles. But they never made the travel. They never had the interest. They never went to seek the Messiah. Why? Indifference. Indifference. A lack of interest or concern. Apathy. Especially when it comes to matters of great importance. Can I tell you, there's no matter of greater importance than knowing Jesus. <clears throat> Than meeting Jesus, than finding Jesus, than having him uh, uh, be a part of your life in a greater way each and every day. And so they were indifferent. They, they could have surely uh, taken the time to uh, travel the five, five miles to find out if the Savior of the world had shown up. But instead, they continued about their religious duties. Prophets had even prophesied about the Messiah for centuries. Centuries. There should have been an anticipation. And the problem with this is that just as the religious leaders of that day were indifferent, it's possible for us as his people and his church to have the same attitude. To have an attitude of apathy. That Jesus doesn't take first place in our life. I told you I might step on your toes today. That Jesus isn't a priority number one in our life. I'm not saying that you're there. I'm saying that the possibility is there that we can uh, get so involved in this world and the world system that we no longer really give Jesus the place that he deserves in our life. We could be apathetic. Not really taking an interest in what God is doing and what is going on. And in a part of this series of messages is for us to have the idea that God still shows up. That God still does the miraculous. That God is still living in our hearts and our lives. And that all things are possible to them that believe upon him. And I've got an anticipation and an expectation that God is about to do something amazing. You see, it's possible for us to be indifferent. Even indifferent to the coming of the Lord. The rapture. The Bible tells us that we're supposed to be vigilant concerning it because it will come at an unexpected time. It will come like a thief in the night. Even Jesus in his day was questioning about this indifference of the people of God. In Luke 18, 18, it says this, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith 
on the earth. We really find faith. Why is faith so important? Because without it, it's impossible to please God. Why is faith so important? Because we are saved by grace through faith. You see, faith is what will get you through. Faith helps you when you don't see the answer, when you don't know how it's going to play out and how it's going to work. Faith decides that even though I cannot see, for faith is uh, the substance of things hoped for. How many have some hopes and some dreams and some desires of the Lord? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, but the evidence of things not yet seen. But even though it's not yet seen, faith tells me it's still coming. It's about to happen. God's still on the move. It's still going to happen for us and for our lives. The difference. So the question for today is a humbling one. You have to ask yourself, am I indifferent or do I have a fire in my heart for the things of God? You see, on the outside, it appeared that the religious leaders, that everything was well with them and God. I imagine they showed up to meet Herod and to talk about this Messiah in their best priestly robes, decked out. Here, uh, uh, going about their duties, called from their duties in the, in the temple, show up in their religious garments and their tassels upon their robes. And when they're asked about the Messiah, they don't have to go back and say, wait a minute, I, I think I remember that it says something about uh, the Messiah here in, in one of these books in the Old Testament. No, they didn't have to do that. They immediately went to Micah chapter 5, verse 2. We read this today. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, it doesn't matter if you came from a small town. God can still use you. God loves small towns. God loves people from small towns. Can I get an amen? But you, O Bethlehem, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. One version says from antiquity. You see, the wise men didn't have to be instructed. They followed the star, the sign. The religious leaders of that day, they already knew the word. But can I tell you, you can know the word and never have a heart change. It's important. You can know God's word. You can even have it uh, in your mind. You can have it memorized. But if you do not apply it in faith to your life, it will not do you any good. They knew where he should show up, but there was no passion in their heart to go and find the one that God had declared through eons and eons of time that was going to show up that would make everything right between God and man. And it was right down the road five miles. Never 
I'll go later. Maybe they said, I'm kind of busy right now. I told you I'd step on your toes. Stepping online too, but I got a boot on, so I'm pretty good. You see, if we don't watch it, we'll have this same spirit of apathy and indifference in our lives. And we have to ask ourselves, do we have the same spirit? We had the right appearance. They had the right answer, but they lacked passion in their heart for the things of God. Matthew 23, 27, Jesus told the Pharisees and the scribes, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Pretty quiet in here. Sometimes that's the way the Holy Spirit moves. I needed this message. I don't know about you. Because if we don't watch it, we can put Jesus on the back burner. Not in the place that he deserves to be. And the religious leaders went right back to the temple. Maybe they felt like they didn't need God. Maybe they felt already sufficient in their religious traditions and customs. They didn't feel the need to let Jesus into their lives. Well, truly there was no room for Jesus in the end, but also in their hearts and in their lives. Self-sufficiency is a mighty bad thing. And I'm afraid that sometimes a lot of people feel that way these days. You see, the religious leaders ignored the presence of Jesus right in their midst. And if we don't watch it, so can they. It's important that we come together and that we worship the Lord. And that we allow his spirit to move amongst us and to change us. And to uh, lift us up and to touch our hearts and lives. Because this would be a dead religion if God was not still moving and living in our hearts. Somebody say it, but he's alive. And he lives within us. And we have no reason to be indifferent about the presence of the Lord. Ask yourself these questions. And I know this is kind of heavy for a Christmas message, but I want us to understand that we need not be indifferent about the Lord in our lives. Do we have tendencies? Traits of self-sufficiency. Ask yourself these questions. I'm not going to look at anybody. Do you go about your religious activities but have no real passion for God? Ask yourself. Do you only focus on the here and now with no thought about eternity? Are you guilty of only turning to God when all else fails? Is there really a difference between you and the way you live and your unsaved friends or family? Are you too busy? Wow. If that doesn't hit you, I don't know what would. This day is a busy day, amen? Are you too busy doing life that you don't have time 
to Jesus? Do you work full time at everything else, but treat Jesus as a part time occupation in that gun? See, if you're in the place that you only have enough of Jesus to just feel safe from hell, then my friends, we have a problem. Well, it's good to know that when I die, I'm going to heaven. But God desires a much deeper and intimate relationship than just saving me. He wants to be a part of your daily lives. He wants, when you get up in the morning, uh, there was actually a book called this. Uh, when you get up in the morning, he, he wants you to say, good morning, Holy Spirit. Good morning, Lord. You see, he desires to be a part of your every day. Not for you to be indifferent about him, but to know him and to love him and, and to be a part of what he is. You see, God's not done with this world. He's still saving souls. He's still delivering people from the pit of hell. He's still saving those who are addicted. He's still doing great works. But guess what? He's using you and I to do that and to help in that. And if we're indifferent, then the work of the Lord isn't getting done in the manner that he desires. Now look for this last thing. Look at the wise men. When they finally make it to Jesus. Hear me. They didn't just stand at a distance and gaze at him and say, and sometimes I do this with my little Eleanor. I lay her down and I say, oh, isn't she beautiful? Isn't she precious? She looked just like her grandpa. No, I don't say that because she don't <laughs> But I could admire the Lord from a distance. But it doesn't say that's what the wise men did. The Magi, they came in into his house. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. And they fall down at his feet. And they worship him. And they worship him. You see, there's no better response when heaven shows up in your world. When you see God moving in your life, when you feel his Holy Spirit uh, just uh, increasing you and touching your life, no better response than to worship him. How many would just raise your hands this morning? Just worship him. Lord, we worship you. We honor you. Lord, today we, won't, we don't want to be guilty of not making room for you. We don't want to be indifferent. Lord, but we want to come into where you are. And give you the praise and the glory and the honor that you are due. We lift you up, Lord. We lift you up. We praise your wonderful and holy name. Can you just begin to praise him? Let praise come out of your lips. God, we honor you and praise you today, Jesus. You alone are worthy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You see, it's very significant 
once they've come in to worship the Lord. And you might miss this, but the Bible tells us that after they had presented to him gifts, and we ought to bring our gifts to the Lord, our talents, our offerings, that's a part of it, presented to him. But as we come to the presence of the Lord, it tells us here that they worshiped him and that they left to go back to their country another way. See, being in the presence of the Lord and worshiping him, it will change you forever. You cannot go back to the same old, same old when you have encountered the Lord like the Magi did. And I want to worship you. And I want you to change me. Don't let me go back. The same way I came in. Change me. Refresh me and renew me. Make me a new creature in Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What do you do when heaven shows up? Mary and Joseph... Mary responded in humbleness and submission. Joseph in complete and immediate obedience. And the wise men diligently sought him out. And when they found him, 